there are some passages that just by mentioning the Scripture reference, Christians are well aware of what's coming. For instance, if I were to say to you, John 3.16, we all automatically think, oh, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish and have everlasting life. If I said Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, we say, oh, yes, repent and be baptized. There are several passages like that, one of which is Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We all know Hebrews 10.25. That's the forsaking the assembly passage. We've heard sermons about it and had classes about it and been approached about it when we've missed services. And yet, despite the fact that we have heard of it so often and we know about this passage, there seems to be quite a bit of confusion about this passage even today. And so I'd like for us to take a look again at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. And I want us to make sure that we notice what it says and that we notice what it does not say. As we begin and we consider this contrast, I hope that we will notice that it does say, not forsaking. It does not say, not missing. The reason why I bring up this difference to you is because I am not sure how many times people have asked me, Edwin, when is it all right to forsake the assembling of ourselves together? I want you to notice that the Hebrew writer says that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And he makes no exceptions. And we are to make no exceptions either. It is never all right to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. However, when we look at this word for forsake, it translates the Greek word enkatalepo, which does not simply mean to be absent or to miss. It means to abandon or to desert. And so when we talk about forsaking our own assembly together, what we're referring to is not simply being absent from the assembly, but rather we are referring to actively choosing another activity above the assembly of the saints, whether out of neglect, out of fear, or out of faulty priorities. But I think we could recognize that not every time somebody misses the assembly does that definition apply. For instance, while Paul was in prison, at the end of the book of Acts, he probably didn't assemble with the saints very regularly, but who would accuse him of forsaking the assembly? His priorities were not faulty, he was not neglecting, and he certainly wasn't afraid, and he was not choosing an activity above assembly. And so we recognize this. We need to understand this. And so the proper question is not, when is it all right to forsake the assembly? It's never all right to do that. The proper question is, what constitutes forsaking the assembly of ourselves together? While there are times when I am certain that the line has been crossed, I have to admit to you that I cannot draw all the lines to answer that question for you. That's something that you have to wrestle with as you make your choices. But I can provide you with biblical guidelines for making this choice. If you look in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, I believe we find the guideline for determining whether or not we are forsaking or simply missing. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said in His Sermon on the Mount, 
Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What has God called us to do? He has called us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And so at any time when you are choosing between assembling with the saints or some other activity, you have to ask yourself this question. When I make this choice, am I seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness or have I now begun to seek something else? If you are seeking something else, it's forsaking. If not, you're missing. Hebrews 10.25 says, As is the habit of some, it does not say not making a habit of forsaking. I have to point this out because there are some who believe that this text condemns the habit of forsaking, which it certainly does, but it only condemns that they believe. There are some who believe that they are allowed to forsake at times, for instance, Super Bowl Sunday night, so long as they do not allow forsaking to become their habit. There are even some who believe that as long as they show up sometimes, they have not utterly abandoned the assembly, and so it's all right. And yet that's not what this text says. This text says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. What's a habit? A habit is the repetition of a singular action to the point that it's so natural for us, we don't even have to think about it anymore. But notice what the Hebrew writer says. He says, you don't forsake the assembling, as is the habit of some. He says, don't even do once what has already become a habit for others. See, what we notice here is that forsaking the assembly is not a problem in our century. It's been a problem in Christ's church from the beginning. Folks, whether through neglect, fear, or faulty priorities, deciding to choose some other activity over assembling with the saints. And the Hebrew writer says, don't do that. You need to assemble. And the saints in the congregation need to be there when you assemble. And think about this. If forsaking can become a habit, what we learn is that attending is also a habit. And which habit ought we to develop? the habit of being present, of assembling. The Hebrew writer says, not forsaking our own assembling together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking our own assembling together. It does not say, not forsaking the Lord's Supper. We need to understand this. Because due to an overemphasis of Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, where we learn that on the first day of the week when the disciples at Troas were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. Because of an overemphasis on that verse, people looked at Hebrews 10.25 and believed that what it was talking about is making sure that you take the Lord's Supper on Sunday. And that is not what it says. It says, don't forsake our own assembling together. There are folks who have made this mistake who will attend and be in the assembly until the Lord's Supper is served, and then they abandon the assembly and leave. Because they've already done what's important. They've done the thing that's why we're here together. 
There are others who make this mistake because they're not going to be at the assembly, but they decide they'll take some unleavened bread and some grape juice wherever they're going, and they'll take the Lord's Supper and believe that they're fulfilling Hebrews 10.25. But Hebrews 10.25 does not say not forsaking the Lord's Supper. It says not forsaking our own assembling together. Now, do we take the Lord's Supper in our assembly? And some of them we do, don't we? That's something we do when we assemble, but it is not the only thing we do when we assemble. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 was not written to tell us the only reason congregations assemble. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 was written to tell us why that particular congregation was assembling on that particular occasion. But there are other things we do when we assemble. We sing. We pray. We give of our means. We study and teach the Word of God. And in Acts chapter, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, when the Hebrew writer says, not forsaking our own assembling together, whether we are assembling to participate in the Lord's Supper, or hear the Word of God preach, or pray, or sing, or give of our means, or of any combination of those activities, it is still our own assembling together, and we're supposed to be there. And we are not fulfilling the passage simply because somewhere we partake in some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking our own assembling together. It says, not forsaking our own assembling together. It does not say, not forsaking spiritual activity. Now, I have no doubt, brethren, that there are times at which Christians are legitimately absent from the service and from the assembling of ourselves together. And because of our conscience and our desire to serve God and worship Him, we're so used to being with these saints and and worshiping and, and we can't be there. So we do what we can. We pull out our Bibles and we study, we sing, we pray either by ourselves or with the Christians that are there with us. I have no doubt that Paul did as much when he was imprisoned. But we need to understand that that is not the assembling of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 is not saying on Sunday, make sure you do something spiritual. It's saying not forsaking our own assembling together. The word for assembling is episynagoge. It comes from the word synago, which means to gather. And then there was the word synagogue. What's that sound like to you? It sounds like synagogue, doesn't it? The word synagogue and synagogue referred not to the gathering, per se, but to the place of the gathering. And yet, by extension, by figure of speech, those of you who are in our class on Wednesday night, you might remember metonymy, change of the name. By that figure of speech, the synagogue also came to refer to the group of people who regularly gathered at the place of assembly or the synagogue. And so when we look in the Scriptures, we find the word synagogue used to describe the place where they would assemble. Look in Matthew chapter 6. You can look in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 2. 
In Matthew 6 and verse 2, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. And in verse 5, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. There it's a reference to the building which was erected to house their place of worship. We can look in Acts chapter 14. And verse 2. Verse 1, in Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both Jews and Greeks. They entered into the synagogue. What do we find here? The building. This is the place where the people would gather, where these Jews would gather regularly on the Sabbath day. But that word was not only used to describe the building, but also the group of people that regularly gathered there. For instance, look in Luke chapter 12 and verse 11. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 11, Jesus, warning His disciples, said to them, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, He wasn't saying they're going to bring you out in front of these buildings. He's actually saying they're going to bring you before the people that make up the synagogues, just like before the rulers and before the authorities. He's referring to the people. They're going to bring you before these groups of people that meet regularly in these synagogues. And we can look in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, Paul, as he's or Saul at that time, as he's beginning his persecution and continuing it, going on to Damascus. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 2, it says that he asked for letters from the high priest to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Letters written to the synagogues. They're not addressing letters to the buildings, but rather to the group of people that regularly assembled in the synagogues, in the place of assembly. Now keep in mind, the book of Hebrews, to whom is it written? To Hebrews, to Jewish Christians, to folks who had a great understanding of the use of this term, synagogue, synagogue. And so when they heard this, they understood that this assembling together was not just time spent with Christians. It was not just time doing something spiritual. It was rather a regular assembling at a place for assembling. That's exactly what they understood. Because that's what they had been doing for years when they followed this term as Jews. Regularly assembling on the Sabbath at the synagogue with the synagogue. And so as the Hebrew writer uses this term to these Hebrew Christians, he's pointing out to them, don't forsake the assembling, that regular meeting of the Christians together in the place where you regularly meet. In fact, Philip Hughes writes in his commentary regarding this, the term here should be understood as simply the regular gathering together of Christian believers for worship and exhortation in a particular place. When the Hebrew writer said, not forsaking our own assembling together, he was not saying, just make sure you do something spiritual. Just make sure that you take your Bible along if you're going to miss the service. He's saying, don't forsake the assembling. Don't forsake the gathering of Christians together, of the congregation together, the complete collection as we all come together. It's not just make sure you spend time with Christians on Sunday or make sure you spend time doing something spiritual on Sunday. 
don't forsake the assembly. Hebrews 10 and verse 25 says, not forsaking our own assembling together. It does not say, not forsaking our Sunday morning assembly together. I think it's important for us to note this. Because there are some who I believe, as they view the assembling and the responsibility to assemble, they do not view it in the way that God does in Hebrews 10 and verse 22 where it says, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, drawing near to God, but rather they view it as a legalistic requirement. Drawing near to the line. What's the line about when we have to assemble? And so, as they've studied their Bibles, they've gone through and they've determined in their mind, well, the minimum requirement for assembling is once on Sunday. Why? Well, in Acts 20 and verse 7, the disciples gathered to break bread on the first day of the week. We've got to do that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, Paul wrote that on the first day of the week, we've got to come together and give of our means. So, if we're going to accomplish those things, the very least, we've got to meet at least once on Sunday. And you can't expect any more from me than that. But take a look at Hebrews chapter 10. And let's look at the context. And I want you to consider, is God's minimum requirement for assembling really once on Sunday? In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 22, he says, Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. In Hebrews 10, verses 22 through 25, is the assembly mentioned as a meet God's legal requirement for coming together? Oh no. The assembly is mentioned as part of drawing near to God. As part of holding fast our confession of faith. As part of encouraging one another and stimulating one another to love and to good deeds. And so what is God's minimum requirement? Once on Sunday? Absolutely not. God's minimum requirement is we're supposed to assemble as much as it takes to help the members of the congregation draw near to God, hold fast their confession, and stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now, I am well aware that the assembly is not the only forum by which we can do that. We can have studies in people's homes, Paul taught publicly and from house to house. We can have Bible classes. We might have special workshops, special things. I know we can do all manner of things to help accomplish those goals. But i tell you one thing I also know. Is that as we consider how we're going to accomplish those goals, we can never abandon assembling as a congregation coming together in one place. All of us. Because that's what Hebrews 10.25 says, don't do. Don't forsake that. We must always do that. Must we always do it twice on Sunday and once with a short assembly on Wednesday night? That's not necessarily. In fact, at some point we might decide that that's not what we're going to do to meet and accomplish those goals. But right now that is what we're doing at this congregation to meet and accomplish those goals. Our leaders have set forth that that's what we need. And that's what's going to help. And so we gather together regularly. And whenever the congregation assembles, not for the purpose of taking the Lord's Supper, 
but for the purpose of helping us draw near to God, hold fast our confession, and stimulate one another to love and good works, where are we supposed to be? God's minimum requirement is when the church is assembling, we're supposed to be there. You'll notice that also in Hebrews 10.25, the Scripture says, encouraging one another, it does not say getting something for yourselves. There are some who, considering our last point, might say, look, I don't need two assemblies on Sunday to draw near to God, hold fast my confession, or, or to be stimulated and encouraged. But I want you to notice that this passage doesn't say anything about what you're getting. It says about what you're giving. It says, encourage others. That's what it's about. Can you really say that after you've attended once a week, that you have fulfilled your responsibility to encourage others as much as you need to? I want you to notice what it says in Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let us do good to all people. When? Whenever we have opportunity. Why do we gather together? Hebrews 10.25, in order to do good to others and to stimulate others to do good. What's that mean? Every time the church assembles is an opportunity for you to do good. What did God say in Galatians 6, 9 and 10? Don't grow tired of that. Oh, I'm so tired by the time we get to 6 o'clock on Sunday night. Oh, I'm so tired by the time we get to 7 o'clock on Wednesday night when we have gospel meetings or other special assemblies. Oh, I'm just so wiped out. You know, I've already gone once. What more can you expect? The Hebrew writer said, encouraging others. In Galatians, Paul wrote, don't grow weary. Take every opportunity to do good. Every time we assemble is an opportunity for you to do good to others, to encourage them, to stimulate them to love and good works. Don't come thinking, what am I going to get out of it? Come saying, what am I going to give? They need to see your presence. They need to see your participation. And all the things that go on around our assembly as we speak with one another and encourage one another, as we come in and as we leave, as we pray together here with one another, as we might pray with one another on our way out when we hear of a need, as we sing with one another and encourage one another, as we study God's Word, take of the Lord's Supper. All of those things are ways in which each of us encourages one another. And that's what it's about. Not what you get out of it, but what you give to it. Hebrews 10.25. It's really not that confusing. It says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Can I encourage you? Stimulating you to love and good deeds and encourage you to follow this verse and not forsake our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. All I want to do is help you go to heaven. And the only way I can help you go to heaven is by encouraging you to do what the Bible says. Let's make sure we don't forsake our own assembling together.
but rather let's come together and encourage one another.